Hi, this is Dave Pryor for Projects at Work, and you're about to listen to an interview I recorded recently with Olaf Lewitz, who is an incredibly inspiring guy. And before we get into the interview, I just want to plug some of the stuff that Olaf has coming up. So if you're going to be at the Scrum Gathering in San Diego, which takes place from April 10th till 12th, on April 10th from 1 p.m. to 2.15 p.m., Olaf will be co-presenting a session called Product Owner Drama and Dreams, and that's going to take place in Harbor Island 1. I'd encourage you to get there early because it will, the room will likely fill. Olaf's stuff is really great. Um, and if you'd like to learn more about the session that we're talking about in the interview, you can go to trusttemenos.de. That's T-R-U-S-T-T-E-M-E-N-O-S dot D-E. And there you will find information about the work that Olaf does, does with his partner, Christine, about their book showing up and about the sessions that they have coming up. So one of the sessions is going to be taking place in London from May 18th to 19th. It's a certified agile leadership class in how they apply some of the Temenos work to being an agile leader. So you're going to hear us talk about the interview during the podcast, but I just wanted to mention that stuff up front. Um, Olaf is an amazing guy, and I always come away from the conversations being a much better human than I was when I got there. So I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Hi, this is Dave Pryor for Projects at Work. It is Tuesday morning, and I'm doing a very special early morning interview with my friend Olaf Lewitz. Thank you for being here, sir. Hi. Good morning, Dave. So thank you for taking time out of your day. You've got a lot of stuff going on right now, and we want to talk about the class that you have coming up which is a certified Agile leadership training, but is also focused on the larger effort that you have and all the work that you're doing. Um, can you talk yes. a little bit about, well, first let's talk about the class and then we'll get into your background and, and, and why this stuff is an important mission for you. So can you talk about the class first? Yes. So it's a two-day leadership class. Um, agile leadership is special because it's about leadership and agile organization and nobody has uh, squared that circle yet at least not totally in my opinion. Um, it's an attempt as a general certification class, it's an attempt by the Scrum Alliance to get organizations one step further who have mastered Agile in teams, who have mastered Scrum in teams, and who want to get to the next level of organizational resilience and effectiveness, which needs to include uh, the management and leadership, of course. Um, the course as we do it is an attempt to teach leadership in a way or understand leadership in a way that we grow leaders rather than grow followers. So my thinking about the way our world works and the way our organizations work is that there is a lot of implicit oppression going on, not necessarily because people are bad, but because everybody is told from a very young age to follow and to do what they are told and to follow orders, etc. And when we want Agile to work, we want everybody to take responsibility. We want everybody to take the lead. We want experts to grow and to play together like, like people on a football team uh, instead of uh, people who are just standing in a row and doing whatever somebody has told them. So when we want to lead such an organization, instead of leading with the intention to follow, we need to lead with the intention to grow leaders. And that needs a different attitude that needs a, um, a kind of leadership, a style of leadership that provides space for these people to show up and grow and lead instead of taking up space as a leader so that everybody's watching to you what you're doing and always doing where your attention is going. 
And the second thing that you need to do, apart from providing space, is you need to understand how growing leadership works. You need to understand how you lead so that you can help others do the same. And I think this is where our class is special, that we have a model where we guide people through in these two days through a process of looking at simple or complicated acts of leadership that they do that could start with opening a door for somebody to leading a team to leading a company and understand how these acts of leadership are a combination of a specific intention that they have and an awareness that they have about the context which enables them to take action and make a difference so does that make sense it does and i want to try to try an experiment if you'll help me with it i want to see if i can have an argument with myself and then have you comment on it so i'd like to play the skeptic i'd like Mm -hmm. to knock myself down (laughs) kind of throw in on it so i can totally imagine how anybody who has got a bunch of scrum teams or agile teams running is sitting there thinking it's just another money grab for the scrum alliance they just want more cash why do i need leadership training agile agile is up and sort of stumbling along i got my own way of leading why do i need this and my argument against that would be and specifically for for the work that you're doing the kind of training that you're offering is is i would say the kind of training that I hope would pull in people that maybe you've got agile working, but the question you're asking yourself is, how can I push myself? How can I challenge myself? What can I do that's going to be a little bit different? And and I would expect that your class is not going to be the kind you just sit in there and get fed. That's absolutely true. Um, It is interactive. It has a large part of reflection, understanding yourself, helping another person, reflecting and understanding themselves. So um, it starts with very small, simple bits, like understanding what happens in your mind when you open a door for somebody. Okay. This is really simple. This is, not, this is neither complicated nor is it personally challenging in any way. But still, you notice something. There's an awareness that somebody wants to go the same way as you do. Or maybe you notice that somebody's carrying something and they can't open the door by themselves or whatever. There's something that you notice that maybe other people don't notice. So there is an awareness that you have. And you have an intention. Maybe you have the intention to have them out of your way. Maybe you have the intention of going into the restaurant with them. Maybe you have the intention of just being nice. But there is an attention and an awareness so you can understand this act of leadership as such just by taking it apart into these pieces. And then the next, when we do that with a few different things, people will start understanding, ah, okay, so this is how my intention matters, and this is how my awareness matters, and this is how you are aware of something, and I am aware of something, and we can learn. And by learning together, we form a relationship, and I think relationships are the core of leadership. I think, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the only thing, but it's definitely the most important thing that leadership means, that we're growing relationships. Listening to you talk about it now, I'm thinking it sounds almost like you're trying to help people have a more mindful or self-aware understanding of what's happening moment to moment, how the different choices are affecting things and how it's driven from this sense of this is the way I would like to lead or desire to be led. Absolutely. So we are not going to tell anybody what to do. We're not going to tell anybody uh, this is how you need to lead an agile organization. This is how to need to how you need to manage an agile team, or this is how you need to manage your backlog. Um, what we are going to give people in this course is a tool to understand, a thinking model to understand uh, and reflect with others. What is it that I want, and how do I 
this machine that is my mind and my body and myself, how does that translate my want into action? And how does that action increase or decrease the probability of something to happen? So if I show up as a leader in a way that everybody perceives to be an asshole, then the likelihood of people engaging with me and creatively building a great product is not very high. Yeah, but but the likelihood of them being an asshole to you is pretty high. Yes. So depending on what I want, if I want that, I can do that. If I want creativity, openness, great greatness in my team to emerge, then I need to show up in a different way. And if that's not what I'm used to, if that's not been my habit because it's not what's been making me successful in my organization in the past, I need to understand how I behave now and how I want to behave instead so that I get the results that I want. So it's about consciously showing up with an intention to get results. And, and that's another way to say what leadership is. Yeah, one thing that's different about what you're describing is a lot of people learn about leadership. They read books, they took classes, whatever. But it's sure. it's more about these are the patterns you have to mimic to lead people. Like one of my rules is if I ever work for anybody who talks about boats, like get in the boat, row with the team, like, you know, I'm the captain of the ship. I just quit because I know I can't deal with that. <laughs> but that's that's a learned you, you're taught that. I mean, that's not something that somebody just innately feels. You're asking them to actually understand themselves at a different level. Yes, and I'm laughing. Uh, because what you just said is another element of this course, understanding the power of metaphor okay. and understanding how the coherence of metaphors can create something really great because metaphors trans transmit a lot of information with very few words between human beings who do understand and get the metaphor. Okay. Um, and if the metaphor doesn't fit, if you don't think that somebody who believes work is like being on a boat... Um, if you don't think that's for you, yeah, then you know what to do. You have a clear intention and you have a clear way of checking. Is, is this good for me or is it not good for me? And we yeah. use metaphor all the time, right? So I, I talked about soccer earlier, football, um, which is something that I use a lot when I talk about teams and, uh, leadership has a boat in it. I just noticed. <laughs> so what maybe, is that? Maybe I'm maybe, well, ship is a kind of boat. Oh, right? you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I'm. So so, so we have so <laughs> Maybe many. Maybe that's metaphors. my problem. <laughs> that's your problem. So you 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 need lead a sheep. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> sheep are a little more peaceful. Yes. And cuddly too, and all these things. Yeah. So uh, this is what I'm talking about: giving people tools to to get to grow their awareness. Yeah. Of how they're how they're showing up works how they're. Um, the way they relate to people works. So uh, we will cover a lot of things that a leadership training should contain, things like uh, dealing with conflict, things like uh, setting a vision, uh, the structures that we need in an agile organization. But we will not go into depth with these topics because these are things that you can read from, read and learn from leadership or management books okay. where you find lots of tools and structures and processes and things how to set up an organization. What we want to teach in the course is the how to think in a way and relate in a way that these things actually work. So okay. how you get to the conscious usage of these tools so that they actually help you. 
Okay. And now life has happened, and then we need to actually open the door for somebody. All right. And I'm back. Okay. So I would like to ask you um, a question about something in the book, and and I, yes. because I was looking in the book this morning, and one of the things, and we've talked about this stuff in the past. I've, I've I'm sure I've come across as incredibly skeptical because I I think. I get kind of twitchy about some of it, but there's this line in the book that is a quote you guys put in from Terry Pratchett. Um, mm-hmm. And if you can comment on this, and I would appreciate it. If you trust in yourself and believe in your dreams and follow your star, you will still get beaten by people who spent their time working hard and learning things and were not so lazy. That, to me, that was just, I was like, oh, there we go. That's the thing. I need that. Like, I need, um, I, 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 I guess for me, it's sort of like balancing the hug with a smack in the face. Like I, <laughs> I need something to like appeal to the dysfunctional, distrusting side of me. How how big a part of of what you guys do is that? I mean, do you do you have to kind of like cater to that a little bit when you get dysfunctional folks like me in the room? Um, I wouldn't call folks like you dysfunctional. Okay. Um, and skepticism is something extremely important um, in organizations and also in courses. Okay. Um, if you come with a healthy skepticism that the way we do things or the way we talk about things um, doesn't work or is not right for you, etc., it gives us an opportunity to reflect. It gives us an opportunity to have a conversation. And I've had in my in my consulting career and in my training training life. I've had one of the most transformative learning moments for for a class, for myself, for that specific student, or for an entire organization with people who were explicitly skeptic. Okay. Um, skeptics care. Um, what I can't deal with in a training is if somebody just doesn't bother. If somebody okay. Just yeah. Can't can't be interested in any way. Yeah. But if you come and you say, Olaf, I'm intrigued. There's the thing that I don't get. And I don't like it, <laughs> and it yeah. it bothers it bothers me. Um, that's awesome because then there's something we can build on. There is an interest, and in in the end, as I said before, it's about being intentional and being aware. And uh, when you are, and I, I've known you for a few years, so I yeah. know that you are you, you are interested. You are paying attention to the things that bother you <laughs> and to the things that <laughs> like you're an, uncomfortable like an with. Itchy sweater, is, yeah. <laughs> Which is which is how we learn. Yeah. Right. You can. I, I had a conversation recently with somebody who said somebody who had read the quote which I posted on Facebook uh, that you can't learn when you don't leave your comfort zone or something to that end. Right. And he was arguing that that's so not true. He's spending so much lovely quiet time on trains where he reads books and he learns so much. And I'm yes, sure you learn a lot from books. Um, and that's. I, I won't take anything away from that. But there's a specific kind of learning that is uncomfortable. And that's the kind of learning where you find out that something you've believed all your life is wrong. Yeah. And that something you've taken for granted is just not always the case. And that uh, something you've believed about yourself um, is, yeah, doesn't stand. <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't stand uh, the the reality check, and that gets uncomfortable, and that's where we make the big leaps in learning. Yeah, to me, the thing about the book is that you know, in going through these ideas about leadership and and stuff like that, 
it's causing me to question stuff that's not really work related. <laughs> like, which which I don't know if that makes me more uncomfortable or not, but it it definitely extends. And I think once you start to look at the things that kind of motivate you and drive you and how that shows up in your own behavior towards other people, it's a different yes. question than just how do I get people to do stuff? Which I guess is not how would you how how would you define that question? If I'm a leader, and yes. if, if what I've been taught is this is what I do to get people to do the things I need them to do, how does that question mm-hmm. shift for somebody who goes to the training that you and Christine provide? I it's hard to generalize, but what I've seen is that when you give people uh, a chance to reflect on their awareness and intention, that they very quickly figure out that they're following somebody else's intention. Okay. Um, and looking at my own life, I became a boss when I was, uh, 29. I was, uh, I, I moved to another part of the country in a new organization and I took a IT head of IT position or IT leader position. Um, the word leader and the word ladder are the same in German. Okay. So, uh, the developers had put a ladder next to my desk. Uh, so when I came in, there was this external geeky nerdy Olaf laughing at that joke right and the the um, shy and uh, introvert and uh, can I really do this new job uh, Olaf didn't ever dare to come out in that organization okay um, and a year later they asked me they, they did some political movements the guy who had founded the company was thrown out by the by the sponsor and they were looking for young easy to manipulate guys they could they could get into the the senior seat so they yeah. thought uh they get and i was one of the guys they asked i was 29 i didn't i didn't say no i i it would it, it would even be a lie to say i needed the money <laughs> yeah like in the sense saying I, I i was young and needed the money yeah but um I, I certainly didn't know how to say no. And I suddenly was the boss of a company of 60 or 70 people. I had no idea how to tell anybody what to do. Uh, I didn't like that. I didn't know how to do that job, but I was too scared to ask because the one assumption that I had was I'm supposed to have the answers. I'm not supposed to ask questions. I'm the boss. And if in that situation, you would have brought me into a course where somebody would have let me reflect on specific actions, like staying in the office until 3 a.m. because after all the leadership work, I was still programming um, and things like that uh, and would have asked me, what's the awareness why you're doing this and what's the intention leading you to do that? I would have, I think, I would have said, yeah, this is how you do it. This is not something I decided. This is just how it's done. And then when you get the message that as a leader, you get to choose, yeah. As a human being, you have a choice to to follow what everybody does or to actually do what you want. Um, I don't know if that would have changed my behavior and my career at that point in time, but it would have definitely made me think. And my experience with people in coaching situations and training situations um, who had similar situations and feedback from others around them I think the potential for change is fairly great. Yeah. It might just be an insight. And then you have for, for a few months or years, however long it takes to you to actually 
change your life, which is a really hard thing to do, right? Intention is not enough. But it might be a growing, nagging feeling that there is an alternative to how you are, th- how you are currently doing things. And yeah. you said this feels like not work-related. Well, it, it extends the, beyond. It extends beyond because exactly. it goes deeper than just work, I think. Absolutely, because the, the, the way we do things is largely determined by how our brains work. Yeah. And our brains did not evolve at work. They evolved in all of life. Right. So so the way we behave, the way we have habits, the way these habits are really hard to change uh, and the way that we, we, we have this constant struggle of doing what we want and what we like and doing what we think is expected so that other people like us uh, because we are social, a social species. We want to belong. We want to be liked. We want to be loved, etc. And this is a thing that we are constantly learning and this is true in life, in school, at work, in sports, yeah. everywhere. And I think leadership uh, needs to include a solid understanding, not in depth. You don't need to become a neuroscientist, but you need to understand how behavior is developed and how behavior changes, for instance. So, if we don't understand that as leaders, we will never change organizations. So if you could go back in time to when you were 29 and got put in charge of that group of people, um, and you didn't know, I mean, when you were telling that story, I was like, oh, God, that's awful. Like, I, I remember working around people, like, I had different issues, but I remember working around people who it was clear, like, they'd been put in this spot and not given the tools. Like, they just didn't yes. know how to do it. And they were still accountable for it. And so they just tried to, like, bully everyone in this stuff. But- if you were, if you found a younger version of you right now in that situation, mm-hmm. what would you do to help that person gain the tools or the skills? Because you could say to them, "Well, be more introspective about how you like to be led," but they're only twenty nine. Maybe they don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. So, how would you help them figure that out and learn how to do their job? I think the one thing that I would have needed to to hear from somebody is. Uh, that it's okay to not feel up to the task and that it's okay to talk about that, that it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. Like there, there were amazing people around me. There were like, there, I, I remember two senior developers who were sitting with me in an office and we were working through these nights and we were building amazing things. We had a great relationship. We had lots of pizzas. Yeah. And they, we, we, I, I talked about so many things. So I, there, there was no problem uh, discussing designs and discussing user interfaces and discussing this and discussing that. And we were really on eye level uh, with everything. But the leadership stuff, I didn't, I didn't share my insecurity. Okay. Right? I, would, I would share my code and say, this doesn't look good. Can you help me? No problem. But I was just in this shitty meeting and I have no, no clue what to make about this, I don't know, firing decision that they're asking me to, to, to make. I wouldn't share that with anyone. So if anybody could have just told me, like, hey, this is the first time you, you, you're doing this. Uh, we believe you can do it, but you will learn while you do it and you will fail and that's okay. Um, that would have really helped me. That would have taken the big load from my shoulders and my heart, I think. All right. So I got two follow-up questions for you on that one. Do you think that the sharing that we were doing with the other developers did that give you a maybe a false sense of look? I'm being open. I'm sharing. I'm being vulnerable because I'm showing. No, them. I was 
I wasn't I wasn't aware of that. That was hindsight okay. speaking now with 46 instead of okay. 29. So my that was sec- just natural to me. Okay. My second just question is um, so people like to talk about safety a lot. And one of the things that I'm starting to wonder, it's becoming such a prevalent topic, is mm-hmm. is it really about creating is it about creating a safe space like you just described? If you had felt like it was okay to say that stuff, then maybe that would have, would have been easier. But there's creating a safe environment. And to me, there's a separate thing, which is treating people with care and love. And I'm wondering if, if you see a difference between the two, like, it's okay, you can fail here, or Olaf, it's cool, don't worry about it. Like, they're two yeah. totally different statements to me. And I'm I'm wondering if that's just in my head or if you how you feel about safety and just the idea of treating people with care instead of worrying so much about creating a safe environment. Cuz it's not safe. I think, Work I, is not safe. I think I think well th- th- that depends. So I I th- these two statements sound very similar to me now. I don't know if they would have sounded similar to me earlier. Okay. Um I think in a in, in an environment where I can expect or assume that I will be treated with care and kindness uh, or forgiveness when I fail yeah uh, is a very safe environment so that would almost be my definition of safe okay the thing with safety is that's my experience and that's safety and trust are very very related you could say they are just flip sides of the same coin okay um, but um, when you talk to people about trust it rises. Yeah. When you talk to people about safety, they get scared. Um, say, that, not, say that again. Can you explain that when again? You, when you talk about trust, it rises because people talk about something positive and it, it goes like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could tell you this, I could tell you this. And I people imagine trusting things. And that is my experience and my observation, interpretation. Uh, trust grows by paying attention to it. Safety when you talk about safety, then people start thinking, okay, how safe am I here? How likely is it that I'm going to be fired? How likely is it that somebody's going to laugh about me when I make a mistake? How likely is it? And they're asking themselves all these dangerous questions, and they're noticing that they are actually afraid that they then feel afraid of something that they weren't afraid of before, um, because they weren't paying that attention. So my my thinking is that there's this notion that in psychology that you get more of what you're looking at. They get more of what you're paying attention to because that's how our brain focuses. Yeah. And uh, I think the safety conversation is an important conversation, but it's an it's a conversation that focuses on the lack of something. That's and I, I, that, is the opposite. That is that is the most brilliant thing anybody has said on a podcast all year. That is wow. <laughs> huge what you just said. So I hope people Thank were you. paying attention. That was amazing. When you talk about yeah. trust, it grows. When you talk about safety, people get scared because they think about the lack of that is, That's deep. Thank you. <laughs> that's cool. All right. So, um, so Cal Leadership Train, let's just, let's explain what this is again, and then we can talk about the session show coming up. So if, if you are somebody who is working with Agile teams, um, the Scrum Alliance is changing some of the offerings that they have, and Certified Agile mm-hmm. Leadership Training is an advanced level of training. Do you have to have taken yes. CSM or CSPO to, to take this kind of training, or can anybody go? Te- technically, no. 
Okay. It's expected that you have that level of agile basic knowledge when you take the training. So the CAL trainings do not offer basic agile education. Okay. But you could read a book and do the CAL training. That's okay. So it's not possible. for this isn't going to be like a, this is how agile works. Course this is a step yes. way beyond that. Okay. Um, yeah. And it, for somebody who is in a leadership role, this is going to give them some more advanced skills. I mean, I think maybe a lot of people are still sussing out like. How is this going to help them run the company? And and I would I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I would say you may not see a direct relationship between you taking a cow class and the productivity of your team, but I would expect that you would see a direct change in your ability to work with the people that you work with. Is that fair? It's fair, and uh, I'm actually asking participants in my course. Actually, I'm I'm co-running this course with Christina, who's been building the. Trust Temenos Academy with me. Okay. So we're running it as a pair. And we one of the things we came up with as a kind of entry to the course is that people write a business case, uh, that people come with a notion is how am I going to measure my success in this course and how is my organization who's paying me uh, going to see the benefits of wow. me having new skills in the organization. So that's one of the things that we ask participants to do, to think about before they come. And we talk about measuring success measuring uh, results um that's that's an important part of the course so how do we know we're actually making an impact with our leadership with our coaching with our agile whatever cool so they can go to trustaminos.de if they want to get to the website you've got classes coming up in london in may right yes 18th and 19th of may Okay. And they can, and you're going to be doing, we're going to be adding more. They can also see you speak at the scrum gathering, uh, which is in San Diego. That will be in 10 days. In 10 days on Monday from one to two 15 in Harbor Island one. And you're going to be talking about product owner drama and dreams. And you describe that as it's an awesome session to figure out roles, uh, in complex environments where we, we, we can actually, describe roles in a way and come up with a with attributes for roles in a way that fits our specific situation and context. Uh, and it's done by the people who do the job, not by somebody somewhere else who writes down a list of dry attributes. Cool. All right. Thank you. And you've got the book. There's a video I'm going to include a link to in the podcast as well. And I will also Perfect. include your Twitter and LinkedIn information so folks can get in touch with you if they have questions. I know you have to go. I Lovely. really appreciate you taking time out this morning. Thank you very much. Yes. And I'll see you Thank in two you weeks. Thank you so much. See you soon. Bye-bye. Cool, thanks. Thanks.